Welcome to Turn a Page, the official comic book club for Nerd Initiative. Each week, the NI Bullpen will be covering the world of comics, talking to creators, deep diving into some fantastic stories, and much more. Now let's hand it over to the team and turn a page. And what is going on, everyone? It is Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you are tuned into Nerd Initiative Social Networks and YouTube for another edition of Turn a Page, the comic book club, where we break down everything going on in the world of comics, and we have a great story that we want to pass along to you. I am your host. My name is Ken M. You know me as the host and executive producer of the ODPH podcast, but I'm also Nerd Initiative's comics editor-in-chief. To my right, your left, he is not in studio. That would be off the, t- off the cuff Tom, who I'm so used to doing his intro, you know, let him go with that. But fear not, folks. We have not one, but two, yes, two guests joining us. And you know them as the dynamic duo of drafts and distinguished dialogue, bringing you the pop culture prowess that you need each and every week. Welcome once again to the show, Matt and Lauren from Hops Geeks News. Guys, what's going on? Ow, ow. I don't think I'll ever tire of you introducing us. You do I think it you so do it well. way better than anything that we could do. Yeah. yeah, we need to have you like record something for our <laughs> podcast. It just works. I, I can. De- yes, I can definitely do that. I have to record uh, for a guest that you will be having on in a couple of weeks, so I can definitely hook that up along the way. So if you yeah. need that, uh, just we'll talk after the show and make that happen. So, guys, what's going on though? Oh, another day. Uh, another night, another villainous evening in Gotham City. Only this one's a little bit more cosmic. If you know you've picked up this comic book, but you know it's it's always a good time to to be here. Christmas season is upon us, and uh, yeah, man, how's everybody else? Good, good. It is. Ex- oh, go, Lauren. No, I was just gonna say I was excited when you guys said you were talking uh, Batman City of Madness because I'm loving it so far. It's yeah, this was a story that really jumped out to me. And obviously with issue two hitting the cost today, uh, which we have a great review up by Matt on nerdinitiative.com. I felt it's fitting to really give the series some shine because this has been one that really flips what we know of Batman on its axis. It's a very beautifully drawn series by Christian Ward, who also is the writer on this. And I love series that really kind of dive into something a little different than we're used to with Batman, especially, or some of the iconic characters we have in comics. Because when you see creators really take an idea and run with it, like we see here, it really jumps out. It really is catching. And especially if they do it in such a prestigious manner, which what is what we have here. So I figured, okay, for tonight's episode, let's do a deep dive of of book one. I keep saying issue number one, but that's what it kind of feels like of Batman City of Madness. So chat, super chat. Let us know if you pick the series up. What's your thoughts on the story as we go along? Because we are going to be talking spoilers in just a minute about it. So we give you that fair warning. If you haven't picked up the series now, guarantee you by the time we're done talking about it, you should have this issue and issue number two in your pull list at your comic shop's in possession by tomorrow morning. I'm just going to put it out there. But before we get into that, though, there's a little business we have to take care of. First and foremost, there's a little award show going on here at Nerd Initiative entitled The Cheersies, which uh, I think one or two people might know about. And that is we are having the awards for the best of the best in comics 2023. Voting is still live right now, and they are coming in by the hundreds. Turnout for it. So definitely click on the Know We Love Our QR Codes here at Nerd Initiative. So make sure your voice is heard. Voting is officially cut off December 21st. And then we announce the winners live on the award show January 2nd, 2024. So you definitely want to make sure you're hitting that QR code. I'm going over Lauren here, just, you know, doing the skyhook here. It's funny we're all, like, pointing in random, like, crazy areas because we're like, (laughs) where is it? It's somewhere. And we're all like. It's like the Brady Bunch thing. (laughs) But exactly. no, seriously though, uh, if if you're a fan of this book or things that Christian Ward has done, he's actually up for an award for this specific book. As a matter of fact, so you can vote as many times as you want if you have read this book and are loving what he's doing with it. Um, as for like, mo- I know in my reviews, and we've been adding that at the bottom of the reviews. So if you catch any of our reviews tomorrow, uh, and you're digging the books that you're reading, and go and vote. Or write in if there's something mm-hmm. we're missing. Don't be afraid to write in. 
Yeah, because I, I will give a little peek behind the curtain. One book in particular has had a very big turnout for write-ins that they are in the top three for comic of the year. Wow. So I'll kind of give that little hint right there. Uh, yeah, which I love seeing the write-ins for, and I was doing the tallies. It, it, it could possibly win the award, and I think that's awesome to see because the way we've done this is, if you remember TRL style, uh, we just allow you to vote as many times yeah. as you want. <laughs> really feel as passionate of a fan to be about it. Then make sure you make your voice heard. Vote, vote loud, vote often, spread the word about it because, like I say, we actually have physical awards to hand out this year. So I'm super excited about that. It'll be the first time in five years we've done that. So a lot That's of great awesome. things with that. And if you want to find out more about what's going on with Nerd Initiative, nerdinitiative.com. Make sure you hit QR code to contact us, sign up for the newsletter, and make sure that you are staying fully aware of everything going on with Nerd Initiative. Because if you thought 2023 was a big year, wait till 2024. Just saying, but we can't talk about a few things just yet. Just yet. And last but certainly not least, because we get yelled at by our bosses if we don't talk about this, it's the holiday season, and what better time to go buy some merchandise from Nerd Initiative than right now. So if you want to get that hat, you want to get that hoodie, you want to get that tumbler, now is the perfect time to do it. Click on that QR code, go get yourself some Nerd Initiative swag, and support the brand that is always preaching about pop culture positivity. Now we got that out of the way, let us talk about Batman City of Badness. We're going to be talking about spoilers, so you've been fair warned. So in three, two, one, how amazing is this series? I'll start with Matt. Man, uh, so if we're all familiar with the artwork, like I first things first, when you just look at the artwork, you know you're in for a treat because Christian is one of the best artists that are actually out there today. However, what really gets me about this book, and I, I've talked about it a bunch, man, it's the way he just understands the characters he is writing with and playing with it's he just fundamentally understands batman if that makes mm -hmm. sense to anybody out there it's he gets it but he also like adds flavor and a twist like harvey dent is playing a very crucial role and you never would have thought that harvey dent would be a crucial role in a, a story that has to do with like the court of owls but here he is and then he's also like pulling these b and c list characters out of nowhere and giving them prominent roles and he just know he gets gotham and he's alluded to it in an interview that we actually sat down and did with him at, about this book before it even dropped is how he believes gotham is like a living being and i think he portrays that very well at least in the first two books so far it, it's fantastic lauren how about you well, I'm a sucker for eye candy and art, and the art instantly won me over. Um, I tend to read more Marvel than DC, but as soon as I saw like one picture of this, I was like, oh, I'm definitely reading this. And the book exceeded my expectations because the story was just as good as as the art. And like even the details he puts into when it's Alfred talking versus Batman talking, like he even changes up the font and the font is artistic. It's just so much has gone into this and you know the art always helps tell the story in every comic book but this one went above and beyond because this is this surpasses comic book art it's just absolutely gorgeous every inch of every page is gorgeous but you're still sucked into the story the art is not distracting even though it's so absolutely beautiful and it just i love the court of owls story i was not familiar with it until somewhat recently and i just think it's such a neat idea that you know who's really in control all this time like who's really running the show and now the court of owls isn't in control the way we thought that they were being this evil underlying bad guy they're they've lost control essentially so it's it's really cool and i cannot wait to pick up book two i have not picked it up yet i will be picking it up tomorrow yes what is wrong with you Bill? i know what? i was writing comic book reviews oh. all day and <laughs> taking care of children <laughs> It, it, it's what happens to the best of us. Cause I, I know, like I say, I want, I'm definitely picking this up tomorrow as I'm hitting the shops, but like I say, how would this story starts out too? We have a young boy that is trying to get to Gotham and you see that when he's trying to go by himself, uh, he's going with a little bit of purpose as you can see in the, in the panels is just when he's trying to talk to get his ticket, he is, uh, carrying a, a weapon with him. So you know that he has his own little vengeance story that's happening as it's playing out. And then you get immediately off the bat, the, no pun intended, this beautiful <laughs> spread of Batman running across the skyline of Gotham. And I know we got the image for it. And 
just seeing when you see just the dialogue from Alfred talking. And it just really is just this amazing sequence where Alfred is always doing this monologue with him as well. And you see just how it plays out just with the skyline and just how everything is fitting in with it. It's just truly, like right off the bat, it's like the like the first two pages, you get this just fantastic spread. And especially coming into a story like this, Lauren, I mean, how impactful is this image just coming in and hitting you right there? Oh, it's it's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it, it's a picture you would want on your wall. And it, it tells so much too, because Alfred, it's just, it's heartbreaking because he's become his parent and you can just see right off the bat. I'm going to intend that pun. I like that. Um, you can just see the the hurt that he's experiencing raising this bat, but it just, it just, I mean, he's in the shadows and it just, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. It's moving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Matt, how about I you? Definitely agree. It's, I mean, it's a perfect encapsulation of Batman, right? It's Alfred's always left at home while Bruce is running from rooftop to rooftop. But what he does really well in this is like the, the background of Gotham is dark. Batman is dark, but there's still like that vibrant light of the city. You know, it's that neon pink of the sign in this instance, but it still shows that there's life in Gotham, that Gotham, even the way he draws it, like a lot of people tend to draw Gotham as like this dumpy city, but just looking in the background mm. and, he doesn't really portray it that way, at least in this scene, in my opinion. It looks like Gotham has hope to it. It's it's New York-esque. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's enthralling. And then, of course, you have the heartbreaking aspect of Alfred, which one thing that this comic has done really well is humanize both Bruce and Alfred. It's given that it's really making a point to show that Alfred's a father-like figure to Bruce, and that you get that from page one. Yeah, and he has regrets. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, because just how you in that dialogue as he stand there just burning a letter in the fire and just really coming to terms with like what's going on. And this is something he goes through every night, which is something that we as fans don't realize just about the dynamic between Bruce and Alfred. And this is him literally every night when Bruce goes out to in the streets of Gotham that he never knows what's going to happen. And obviously with how, how crazy Gotham can get and then things just escalate so quickly because on a random night enters Two-Face. And I love how Christian Ward drew him oh, because yeah. it wasn't the, it wasn't the typical burnt face, normal face. He actually did it in a manner of like, it was also a hallucinogen, which I just thought mm. was so brilliant of how this plays out. I mean, when you're seeing this depiction of Two-Face, like what is the first reactions you're having? Yeah, that's what stands out, right? Is normally you're used to seeing like ugly normal but you have the ugliness which they don't really hint it's more of like the ugly as a background to the, his face if mm -hmm. that makes sense like you prominently see the clean side the ugliness is kind of like this dark shadow but coming off of it he's he's got like circles and lines and it's this acid trip almost of just alice in wonderland-esque vibes coming from two-faced and he just seems like this cosmic imaginative character almost mm -hmm. if if i can really explain that kind of in a proper way. Hmm. Yeah. It gave me some across no, the spider verse Lauren. vibes. Yes. That's yeah. what I'm looking for. See, Lauren, you're the brains of this operation. Well, I'm also, my son's obsessed with Spider-Man. <laughs> so I, you know, he just got the guitar and I see like the punk rocker in the back. He got the spider, the across the spider verse guitar that like shoots webs. Um, but what I love about it is even the, you know, quote, ugly side is still beautiful in a way because it's very artistic and the colors are very complimentary. The colors are gorgeous. And I feel that it doesn't just show what, how we see Two-Face. It shows how Two-Face probably sees himself, that he doesn't see himself as just inherently, you know, good and bad. He has two very conflicting sides and neither of them are just evil and neither of them are just good. And we learn that, you know, he's possibly got a third side. We're still not fully sure what's happening there. Um, <laughs> Because he denies, yeah. well, I don't want to jump ahead, but yeah. So I, I thought it was a great portrayal, and I love seeing the whole room cut in half, too. And it's, you know, it's it's so fun to see the different iterations. Because the first Two-Face I was ever introduced to was back in the 90s with uh, the guy. Put from some respect. On, that's Tommy Lee Jones. You <laughs> put some Lee respect Jones. on Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> I'm sorry. I would have gotten there eventually. Chat, guy from was, Men in Black. Oh, my gosh. That was the first one I was ever introduced to. But I, I got I I to hear the video. chat's opinion of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Two-Face has always been 
arguably my favorite Batman villain. And and that's saying something, especially how deep the rogues is. And seeing how it's portrayed, because honestly, that is a lot of how Two-Face is, because when he gets hacked with the acid on his face, that causes the mental snap in him. It literally causes the two personalities. And to see kind of how it's portrayed, I really just thought it was so brilliant, because it's so simple that it just connects with the readers as you're going through, like, oh, this is how he's seeing himself. And not so much yeah. as, like, how everybody else sees him. And it's just, like, this very deep metaphor of just how the complex Two-Face is, but yet it's it's so simple. Like, that's it's the brilliance of Christian Ward right here. And it's mm-hmm. just, like, this is just a small piece of it, because as we go further, you start getting more of it. And then especially, too, when he does the iconic Batman crash through the window, and I know we have the art for it too. Like you, that you just see him just come through. There's somebody yelling Batman, and just to see this iconic scene of him just crashing down. Like that's how you know, like you're in a Batman story is when you have this moment and seeing the fear in the villain's face, and you just see the silhouette. You don't, you never even see Batman's face. You just see his eyes as he's staring down. Like for me, I was just goosebumps about this. I don't know how you guys were feeling about this. We'll start with Lauren about this. Take Ken, it's just gorgeous. I love the the contour of the purple and black versus like the teal and blue kind of sky and glass crashing. Um, and it's just, you know, I feel like he's metaphorically and literally crashing through the wall. And of course you see him say like, oh, this is too easy. Something's going on. But it just, you know, Batman crashing through the wall just, it breaks everything. It's, it it just jolts everybody, all the bad guys alive. They're like, oh, I got to get out of here. Bat- Batman's here. But it's just, it's done so beautifully too. And you see the contrast in the bottom too, where it's, it's just red at the bottom and it just, it flows so beautifully, but it's a violent scene, but it flows so beautifully. Mm. Absolutely. Matt. I don't know if anybody else is going to be able to go on this journey with me real quick, but okay. speaking of nineties, Batman, does this book, not make you think of Joel Schumacher's Batman's with I'm, I every page with this how vibrant it is I just think of this with with Coolio and like you know when Robin's in the downtown scene and he fights like the gang who's all decked out in glow sticks like that's what I think of like it's a serious scene but it's it's just gives off Schumacher vibes which isn't a bad thing because I love those but movies it- it's like classy. I get what you're saying, but it's like done class classy. Whereas the nineties was like more campy or the yeah, Schumacher one. I know Ken campy. has some thoughts in this, his whole face is screaming a story. <laughs> I just, the minute you said Schumacher's name, I just thought bat nipples and I'm like, no, but I do see where you're going with this. This is a serious story. You leave those at home. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but I, but I see where you're going with this because the one thing I will say this with Schumacher's Batman and Robin, especially because like that's where I immediately went to. The coloring and the lighting are very, very similar. Yeah. So I can see where you're getting that because that's something too that you want to draw out something different in Gotham and make this stand out. Because as we've seen over, I mean, countless stories, countless forms of media, and as you touched upon earlier, I mean, Gotham is so dreary and depressing that to see that kind of color and light pop in there. And really give it a, a new take and a new look. Yeah, it stands out. And especially with how it plays in the story, because it's such a stark contrast to everything we know. And especially with how Ward is painting this world, too. Because even when the fights are going on, you still have that splash of red to really stand out and make the Batman pop off the page yeah. as he's doing what he does best. And you, and just seeing like Two-Face's reactions watching this happen like i say the the coloring in this is truly remarkable about how they really want to tell this story and especially like you say you, you can borrow that from the batman and the latter schumacher movies and it makes it work because it doesn't it doesn't go into the full campiness that was those two films and nobody was yelling chill out but you do have <laughs> those moments yeah like you don't have any of that corniness in my opinion you have just the series Batman story and you're seeing him just unleashed to like say it only it fades away finally when you have the last two figures standing and that's two face and, and Batman having that standoff. And that's when you have Harvey Denko. I need your help. And just to see that, like that's such a mic drop moment too, because Batman's doing what Batman does, but to see how the panel goes all white and just focuses on those two. 
I mean, this was a moment like, okay, Ward is telling me as a reader, he really wants me to focus in on this because it's so simple, but yet it's so meaningful. I mean, that's just my take on it. I'll, I'll start with Matt about this. Like yeah. when you finally see the end of this in that line, like what is your reaction? Well, I think at that point you're kind of like, cause you're thinking Batman swinging in Harvey's up to his old ways is about to be, you know, some sort of battle that's about to take place, but it doesn't happen. And again, he f- gets it because a lot of people don't realize like Harvey Dent really at his core when he's himself, he tries to do good, you know, and that's the human side of him, so to speak. And so to be like, no, I need your help. It takes the reader back and you're like, well, okay. And you kind of like sit out of your seat. One of those moments and I'm listening. What, where do we go from here? And so it's, it's one of those moments that kind of swerves and pivots from the traditional, like, all right, Batman's going to put him back in Arkham. And then the story, that's where you get the meat of the story. Instead it's no, it's Harvey's like, dude, I need your help. This is serious. And you're just, whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lauren. Well, I mean, you knew something out of the norm was going to happen because Batman even kept having that inner dialogue like this is too easy. This is too easy. Is this trap? Of course, that's where obviously you would go is like it must be a trap. It's a trap. Um, But you can see like the genuine like sadness on him even when we first see him sitting on that couch and you have that beautiful, you know, side where it's his quote unquote ugly side is, is, you know, you see him looking depressed. And in this last panel with the white, like you said, and he says, I need your help. Um, it yet yeah, shows the importance of that moment, but it's, it's, he's past desperation. He doesn't know what else to do. So he's mm. absolutely so desperate knowing he could end up back in the one place that he definitely doesn't want to be. Um, but I feel like he had to do it, not just for him. He knew that there was more at stake. And yeah, like Matt said, it's, you know, every time we meet two face in the beginning and he, every time we get his origin story, he's a good guy in the beginning. And sure. so I feel like that, that sides maybe just come to an even you know sometimes good guys and bad guys agree on things and so maybe he's finally at peace with something even though it's out of desperation i always say with two-face he is the mirror of batman because he mm-hmm. is literally one action away every time bruce wayne suits up in the cowl he's one action away from becoming two-face it's not so much him becoming the joker and i know it's kind of been the one bad day kind of moniker with that no, this is all he understands Harvey Dent so much that there's that instant moment. Like that's why he's always very sympathetic because it's almost like he sees himself in him. Yeah. And especially like through great stories like we touched upon with Long Halloween and countless other ones in the Bat Mythos. They've always tried working together because they've always had that same ideal. And it's just that one moment that causes that rift forever. And just mm-hmm. Bruce always understands this as he deals with him too. And that's why you always see him have a very sympathetic side to him because he knows, like, deep down inside, Harvey is him. But yeah, two sides of the same coin. Exactly. I feel like that's, that's why what he that's... refuses to kill because then he could, that's, that's how you well, yeah. start leading going down that path. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. But meanwhile, there's some other villains in Gotham that have no problem killing, as we see. In a in a skyscraper and a board meeting, and somebody is coming up and kind of uh, voicing their opinion that uh, what this mysterious group of business folks are doing. And well, we see very quickly that this mysterious group um, is arguably in the top five of all Batman rogues. Which chat, super chat, make your voice heard. Where do you rank the Court of Owls in the Batman? Ooh top 10 top five villains of all time top three because as you I, top three lauren where do you have them well i feel like i'm not as educated on on making that decision but i do feel like because they are the monster in the shadows and they control things when you don't even know they're controlling and that's like the scariest kind of villain out there is the one you don't know exists mm-hmm. and the send flowers yeah, I, to his I, wife that's some cold-hearted crap right there oh yeah the court is arguably, I would say, for being around in a relatively short amount of time in comparison to some of the other greats, like the Joker, the Penguin, the Riddler, Catwoman, uh, Two-Face, th- for being around for such a short amount of time, they have made the biggest jump into the Batman all-time rogues gallery. And it's, it's a, I, always, I put them in my top five 
I don't have them at number one, obviously, but they are definitely in like that four or five range for me. And that's only from just being around a short amount of time when Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo started them in the new 52 run. So Mm -hmm. to be there and see the impact they've made, and they've also crossed over, like we said, into the pop culture medium, you know, little bits here and there. And who knows what there might appear in the Matt Reeves uh, Batman trilogy as it's getting worked out. I fully think they're going to wind up in there, just putting that karma out in the world. I but as you it. see how they're, uh, yeah. yeah, as you see how they're here, one voice is trying to go against them, and the court is not exactly hearing them. They cause him to overdose, and as Lauren touched upon, they send flowers to his wife to say, "Well, we're you know, we're sorry he overdosed. We're sorry for your like, loss." <laughs> yeah, just how absolutely disturbing this is. But then, as you see, they wind up going to the bottom of their building, and this is where things get very, very crazy. Because the court is walking through a cavern. And you, you're sitting here as a reader going like, wait, what is going on here? And as you see, they're kind of walking around a tomb. It's just getting more and more crazy about like what's behind there. And you do see there is kind of a shadowy figure that is lurking around. And if anybody is questioning the head of the court, well, they're getting taken out. And as you're seeing, like this is their version of a talon. Matt, like, what is your reaction as you're seeing just how ruthless they're getting to protect what's inside, and then what's eventually freed? It's the uh, it's the brutality, man. That's one of those things. Like, the court is one of those elegant. They're almost they put on this facade of we're prim, we're proper, we don't actually get our hands dirty, but they do. They they're not afraid to. They very much do, and they handle business themselves. And they are there's a reason why they're they're one of the more vicious foes that Batman has to face, and it. it Again, Christian Ward just understands the character he's he's playing with in this world right here. And this is another testament why. Mm. Lauren? I mean, you just see the the straight cold-heartedness of this is a group of people that have no compassion. They're not a team. They don't even care about each other. They all have this end goal of what they think is the best, and they're going to do whatever they need to do, even if it means literally stabbing each other in the back. But I thought it was, mm. it was an, um, again, artwork's beautiful, but we're seeing what's happening with one of the characters. So that's always fun to do to be just as confused as that main character in that scene and learn what's happening with them. Yeah, because as we see what's released, you see this image and we think it's Batman. And you just see this voice say, finally, as you just see this swirling art piece. I believe we have that of just the talent sitting at the top of their screaming no, and it's almost like in an eye shape. Like, it's kind of crazy how it's all set up, and things are just moving so fast, and this is just like another element of Christian Ward that it just plays into, as you see the figure is just screaming no at the top, and he understands what's getting released, because it appears the Batman is getting released, but it's not the Batman we know. No. And no... This is a whole different bat that anybody has any idea about. Meanwhile, this is where Ward goes back to the story of the young boy coming to Gotham, and we do find out that he's looking for revenge for his father, who apparently was murdered on the streets. Uh, Matt, like, what is your reaction when you're seeing this story play out? Uh, it tells all the time in Gotham, right? A parent that was killed, and now the kid wants revenge. You know, it's it's another kid that's going to become very important down the road. Especially, it's another character that Batman's going to be able to see himself in as a young boy who set out for revenge, trying to get his revenge against a person who took what he cares about most. Um, so you know they're on a collision course, and you know he's going to be very important, and there's more to him. But it's just uh. It shows that, hey, you know, there's so much anger inside some people and they're willing to do what it takes. And I can see this being one of those like Bruce wants to save him from that eventually when they do meet up at some point. Mm. Lauren, what's your reaction to this? My first reaction was this is a scene straight out of Home Alone 2. He's walking around like the big city and they're, <laughs> we got all the, you know, scary, homeless, mean, bad guys coming to try to talk to him. But no, it's just tragic. I mean, Obviously, as a parent, you feel for any kid that's going through anything in a in a book, a TV show, a movie. And, you know, obviously when people, especially children, are desperate, they're going to make bad choices. And if this 
if somebody's going to be like, hey, I'll help you get your revenge because you think revenge is going to make you feel better, even though it's not, you're just starting down mm. an even darker path. He's going to say yes to anybody who's going to protect him and help him get that revenge. So it's just it's it's sad watching what, you know, is kind of inevitable for part of this story to move on. Mm -hmm. And then all the while you're seeing Batman is returning to the manor and, you know, you're, you're seeing just him just kind of walk through and seeing a few pictures here and there. And as he's making his way to the Batcave, you see a quick shot of Barbara. Well, actually, Batman's kind of walking around checking something else out. But you see Barbara Gordon is now wind up at the Batcave and having a, a you know, a heart to heart with Alfred. And Lauren, what is your reaction when you're seeing Barbara Gordon's reaction, just how they're talking about family here? Um, it's sad. I mean, there's a little bit of comedy to it, you know, when she makes the comment like, well, if you guys actually talked about your feelings, we probably wouldn't yeah. have that man. So I guess yeah. it's good that you, you know, you don't talk about your feelings and you suppress all your anger and rage. Um, but you know, it's sad because she sees how it is a problem that they do what they do. Uh, but she also sees the good in doing what they do and understands that like, this is just, you know, nobody's going to take these roles if they haven't dealt with tragedy and loss um but you know it's it's nice that they have each other i guess but it's just alfred i feel like it's just a tragic story throughout this whole comic you don't see any glimmer of hope in him you just see regret i feel like yeah yeah matt i think i mean you nail it i think big time is this again it's it's humanizing alfred and that's the best way i can put it is he just it's regret it's because now you're you're yeah bruce and him that's one thing but alfred's kind of taken on a larger family at this point right you've got barbara you got dick and seeing how where have they've come and he sees them as his own and just it's that sadness that's really well drawn within alfred's eyes and yeah it's a comedic scene but there's deeper tones there mm -hmm. yeah i agree with you too i mean it's just something that they've all been through so much and and you can go through the history of batman and just see how everybody's been affected by the life they chose to defend the people of gotham and just how much is it just wears on them and then to kind of see how alfred who is just you know he cares about everybody so much and to see how it's taken such an emotional toll on him i think that's just something with ward's writing here too that he really wanted to capitalize and show about like how alfred really is the father figure of the entire bat family and just seeing just how, what he goes through in every single action they take, like just the toll it's, it, it wears on him. I mean, I just think it's another part of the brilliant writing because all the while Batman is actually at Arkham and I love to, like, I know I didn't get a chance to get the art for it. What did everybody think about his de depiction of the mad hatter? Oh yeah. I, again, he terrifying. brings out, yeah, he's, he's terrifying, but he brings out like these, I have a P characters again, and it's the way he brings them about, and it's how well you can see it depicting. He yeah. almost looks like a Victorian era puppet doll in a way. Ooh, that's a good description. It's it's a rusticness, yeah. like it. yeah, it's brilliant. Like I say, it just, it, there's just such a different flow to it that it just it caught my eye immediately. I'm like, wait, this is the Bad Hatter, like this, and I I couldn't really even put a d great description on it. it just always like it was brilliant. And as you're seeing how it's progressing forward, because he's getting a little update about Harvey and just with the breakdown, what's happening there to eventually meeting him in the cell and just kind of talking to him about what is happening. And, you know, really the overall idea of what is the court of owls play here and just seeing how the, the reveal is happening. And then this is where we had the skyline moment too, with the bat signal over the building in Gotham. And Batman flying into action. Like, this is such an iconic moment on the screen, too. Yeah. Like I say, Lauren, like, what is your reaction to seeing this? Just seeing the something truly evil coming from Two-Face, it was. It took me a minute to even notice the gorgeous artwork because I was just reading that something truly evil. Um, so, And I think that was so well placed on the bat signal because it's, batman but it's something truly evil so i just was like "Ooh, it's about to it's about to go down like you knew it was the, the comic was about to take a shift i felt like when i read mm. that yeah matt yeah it's it's one of those things that like it's well placed right they put the something truly evil but they put it within the bat symbol because that something truly evil could mean something to batman it could see something to the mm -hmm. people who are afraid of batman to them viewing that he's evil so it's one of those just fun like plays on uh it has a double meaning 
It's all perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love how Ward set this up too. Cause like I say, when you're having Batman, just tell him about something is coming to Gotham and just the breakdown of that moment. It was like, so two Face when he's saying he needs help, like he understands what's going on. So it's like how much he gives away is just holding in just a little bit. Like he's telling Batman, like something is coming and it's very evil and you're the only one who can stop it. And then we flash forward to where the young boy is back in Gotham and he's confronted by some thugs and they're wearing animal masks. Yeah. Now, I don't know what everybody else is thinking. I had a different interpretation, but I've also been reading the Batman and Robin series by Joshua Williams. So I, I started thinking something else. I know it does not coexist with everything, but seeing how they're setting up the image for this and the young boy getting ready to extract revenge. Did anybody else think the masks were real or were they fake? I thought they were real, but I also thought that they were working with, uh, cause, because we're getting some of these lesser known characters, uh, pig that's that's kind of mm-hmm. who i thought they were they were working with there so i kind of thought they were not real i thought they were just like the masks because that was his mo right yeah. well he had i don't remember if he because the first time i read this i reread it today but the first time i read it was the day it came out so that was early october so i don't remember my initial thoughts but i he does say that there were people in animal masks that killed his father was that after he said this because i don't think i thought that they were real my initial thought was that one guy looks like moon knight's um god whose name i can't remember <laughs> oh, oh, oh yes yes there you go uh and i started laughing at the shark because it just made me think of sharknado when they attacked oh i was Lord. thinking king shark the great, shark. The <laughs> great film franchise yes it is classic. well they kind of well they kind of tip off something because you can see with shark head you see the human head inside it but they yeah. kept it so concealed in the other panels is like, okay, is he dreaming this or is this really happening? And especially uh-huh. too, there's another silhouette page where you're seeing the laughter in the background and you can't tell if it's his own fear and this is what he's seeing or if this is actually what is real. And it, like I say, I like how Ward kind of just walked the line with it a little bit and not give everything away. But then it's like you start thinking, okay, it is real. And then all of a sudden, well, well it's it a child's really perspective goes wrong. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one great thing about it, too, is it's such a youthful perspective that you can't figure it out as a reader, and I love that, that fact about it. Same. That it just kept you on your toes because, obviously, you knew something was going to happen. You start seeing the villains get picked off in a very bloody way, and then all of a sudden, who is standing there and saying, he can't hurt you now, child, but the Batman below? And what a picture of this unique Batman. And it's on the screen right now. Matt, what is your reaction seeing this? It is Davy Jones from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies who threw on a Batman mask and has come for vengeance. I thought it was the Ood from (laughs) Doctor Who. Oh, that too. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. That's even better. Dang. Uh, No, but seriously, it's it's look how creepy and gorgeous it is though in in a haunting way like the way that the colors work on this it's dark you've got this dark batman but his eyes are glowing yellow and the blood is just a vibrant red and it's just the contrast and it is freaking gorgeous yeah the art just pops off here i was not expecting to see this tentacle batman show up here chat super chat what is your thoughts about the batman below because you just see this just really dis- like it's disgusting distinct, mm-hmm. yeah figure that is supposed to be the batman we know but clearly is not and it's something like what has the court of owls been doing with this creature that they've had behind closed doors until somebody has now unleashed them on gotham and you're just seeing that obviously this is not bruce wayne by any stretch of the imagination things are just getting more crazy and crazy as this progresses and then you're seeing, like, you're just seeing these shadowy figures now. They go back to the cave, and you're just hearing this voice just with the lettering haunting going, we are Gotham, mm-hmm. as now things are changing. And you're seeing the court is now kind of regrouping a little bit because they know what's been unleashed. And then you see this figure that they are awakening from suspended animation. And Lauren, like, what is your thoughts about seeing this whole scene unfold? 
I think it's really cool. It's creepy. And it's, you know, it seems a little confusing and you're not really realizing what's going on at first. But I love how even the font is not completely clear. And so everything's becoming more and more clear in the story and the literal font. And, uh, and yeah, it's creepy and terrifying. Um, so the below Batman though, I was trying to think of the monster that, um, Christian Ward had mentioned that he used as inspiration and it was the HP Lovecraft, the, the, the Chulu, Dulu. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. So, and if you yeah, Google that perfect. image, it's, yeah, it's very tentacly creepy and yeah, he nailed it. He, I mean, perfect. Um, but yeah, no, I loved it. Yeah. I mean, just seeing how this is all unfolding too, that they've now awakened a talent. That's the way I'm thinking this has got to be the first talent or what they base this creature off of to now go fight their battles for them. And then wonder, as you're seeing just back, Oh, go back. Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to, I, I, I was just going to say, cause you brought up, it could be the first talent. I wonder though, is ever since what if it's been their own creation of they've gone through all sorts of scientific experiments because they've known ever since, Batman kind of brought came to the city. They needed someone to face off against Batman, perhaps after Talon loses in their first fight. And they've done some sort of experiments, and this is like their perfect specimen. But then it's one of those like, oh God, he's even too dangerous for us kind of deals. I don't know. Lost control, like a Hulk when they yeah. try to recreate Captain America. It could be. I mean, that's a great point. That with the court, you never know because they've been around for so long just like how much they've experimented and then if you really want to kind of just try stretching the imagination with it i mean how far did they go back with when they started seeing batman come there did they already start creating and this is just one of their experiments like you touched upon that's the one great thing about this story it's so wide open that mm -hmm. as we're going further with the book as, it, as it's going along that you'll you'll start getting these pieces come together but these are great threes that kind of keep fans energized about the series as it's moving because it's definitely not something that is your typical Batman by any stretch of the imagination. And especially dealing with more of a sci-fi aspect here, it can really go wrong a lot of ways, but I think Ward has just hit it on so many levels that he's just nailing every point, trying to get to where the story is going. Because even when he circles back a little bit to Harvey Dent and seeing this ghost-like figure show up in his Arkham cell, and it is a wild scene to see play out. But then it ultimately leads to the final image of the book where you now see that the Batman below is now unleashed and he has now selected a Robin to train. And it's the young boy that came. I mean, yeah. Matt, what a, what a mic drop moment, huh? It's It definitely is because it's a... Uh... It's the boy who's lost out there. It what a great image too. It's bat wings. Like these are legit like bat wings. It to, mm -hmm. to match the hauntingness of his entire character. Yeah. And it's a horror. This is like at the same time kind of a horror comic. And now he's got this child, and who knows the lengths he's willing to go to train this child to become his Robin if he's willing to just swoop in and kill people. And it kind of makes you afraid for the boy. Like you think he's not in danger because he wants to train him as a Robin, but this is kind of a wild card. Well, his morality yeah. at a minimum is in danger. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, Lauren, when you're seeing this end on this note, like, what's your reaction to this? I Again, I thought it was a mic drop moment. I loved, though, that it was Harvey Dent, and they say a different perspective, and you see his face is cut diagonally rather than vertically like we're used to. And I love that he was the reveal, and it's just so creepy, too, and you also see, like, this is a... Our Batman doesn't fly. He's more Buzz Lightyear. He falls with style. <laughs> and this, this is like a legit bat flying. So right away, he's he's some sort of monster-esque hybrid. And I just, it's going to be a lot of fun. I do think that it's going to be one of those, I'm taking care of this kid. This kid is safe physically. I do think the kid is safe physically. Mm. But I think that's the extent of his safety. Uh, but yeah. And Matt knows more than us because he already read book two. Yeah. God, you're going to get some yeah, answers. I mean, too. A little oh, bit. I can't fully imagine just, just as things are going on. And we definitely have to say this book via all the images you're seeing are coming from DC comics is volume one is out right now. Volume two is just hitting the comic shops this week. We've said a lot of great things about this series uh, so far. Was there anything in issue one that you did not like starting with Lauren first? Uh, no, from beginning to end, I was entertained and literally, 
had to stop myself and be like, okay, I want to admire the art because it's so gorgeous, but I was getting sucked into the story that I kept moving along. So it was actually really nice to be able to reread it this afternoon and be like, oh yeah, I forgot about that because there's so much going on visually and story-wise that I was just completely entertained and intrigued from beginning to end. So I don't have anything yeah. negative. Matt? Oh God, no. Uh, low key, not even low key, God. Uh, early reactions when I read this book was legit. I think it might be my favorite comic book of the year of 2023. Uh, there wasn't anything in there that I hated. You got a humanized version, deeper version of all of the characters. Uh, there's a really well thought out, like, Hey, Christian Ward understands who he's playing with here. Harvey Dent is a catalyst to that's driving the story. Um, there was nothing that I was like, ah, oh, this doesn't work. I can't even find something if I wanted to. It's, it's That's how good this comic book is. Yeah, I, I was really struggling to find anything wrong with it. I mean, not that I was like, okay, there's got to be something wrong with it. I The only thing I would say is just maybe some of the pacing, just like we, the Harvey stuff is really spaced out, um, which I don't think took away from the story, but it was kind of like I had to go back and reread a little bit just to make sure I was catching up on it. But it flows so easy that you really get a sense of what's going on. I, I love how they started with the young boy. They kind of threw a little story with him in the middle, and then they came back at the end. So they were really juggling around, like, essentially three stories, the young boys, Batmans, and the courts. And then Harvey Dent was in the mix, too. And to pull that off, I mean, that's not easy to do. But yet, yeah. I thought they really paced it off well. It's just like a matter of just the Harvey spots. I just had to go back and reread. But like I say, that's I'm not taking anything away from a final score about this by any stretch of the imagination. And speaking of scores, I mean, we have to grade this chat. Super chat, definitely throw your grades in for this book as well. But we'll start with Lauren. What grade do you give Batman Good. City of the Madness book one? I Initially, I was going to say 9.5, but then when I'm like, well, I can't find anything wrong with it. It's like, what is a perfect score? I had that one professor that won't give anything an A because nothing's perfection because perfection doesn't exist. So I'm like torn. I'm going to give it a 9.75. Oh, I thought you were going to say a 9.9. I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm keeping it in quarters. All right, Matt. Look, man, I'm not so nitpicky as Lauren. I'm easily pleased. This is a 10 out of 10. It's a 10. It's a 10. Look, some things can be perfect. Like not, of course, not everything is perfect, but to me, this gave me everything I wanted in a new fresh Batman story. This is a fresh take on every single character in this entire world. Like this is not a Batman we've seen before. Like this is a 10. All right. Yeah. This was tough for me to grade. Cause I, I, I was teetering back and forth between like a 9.5 and a 10, because honestly, I love when you take a classic character like Batman, you can flip it on its axis, and then you can really go some places with the story. And that's where this goes. And especially tying in the Court of Owls, too, which, like I touched upon earlier, they've only been around since the New 52. And we haven't had that many stories with them. And for what they were doing here, I mean, this is just perfect storytelling to really establish them that they've been experimenting. They've had a, the city below Gotham and a Batman below that they've, they've been trying to keep in prison. Then somebody lets loose. Like it's a, it's a really interesting story and how they tie in everybody together, especially Harvey Dent, who's a very big wild card in all of this. Like, I just really loved how yeah. Ward set this up with the writing. And like I say, the, the pacing thing, I'm just kind of throwing out the window. That's just me just being like, you know, with my magnifying glass, like really staring in to see something, but it made me want to read the story yet again and again. So if I have to give a grade about this, which I mean we are doing, I have to give it a ten too. Like let's I go. Just think that, I just Try think the lowest score with a nine seven five. Nice. But you know what? That's not a bad thing though, because it, it, you it's just how you interpret it as a fan. And like for me, I love the fresh take on Batman because we've had eighty years of Batman stories. There has been some really good ones. There have been some really bad ones, in my opinion. This one really took a creative twist and ran with it. And plus Christian Ward's art in this is just so next level of really kind of just mixing in the different color schemes to really make certain pages pop and really have that connecting fact with the, you know, the group here. So I uh, love seeing a super chat thrown in there. Love it. Uh, Tom threw in a 9.75. 
Love seeing that. Yeah, like I say, this series, this you know, first issue really made a great first impression. And especially to see where they're going from here, because obviously issue two just came out, so we won't spoil anything there. The only thing you know is the story is going to progress even further. And if you really love this issue, strongly recommend picking up issue number two, because oh, yeah. this is one that just has so much going on with it that if you're looking for something that's like on that Elseworlds kind of vibe, but yeah, this is more, and this is a black label book for DC as well. This is just your prime example of what you can do with a great character and run with it. And that's what you're seeing here. So we give you our recommendations for this week to, before we get on out of here. Obviously, we'll start with Lauren about this one. So Lauren, what are you recommending at the comic shops this week? Um, so this week, one I highly recommend, if you're a Kevin Smith fan, you absolutely have to pick up Quick Stops. Yeah. Uh, I, re- I read the original four issues back when it came out, maybe like a year ago. They just expand on the universe in such a fun way, and you still get a lot of heart because it's Kevin Smith, and he still makes you cry emotional tears and cry laughing tears at the same time. And it's just so much fun to expand this universe. Cannot recommend Quick Stops enough. If you are a Kevin Smith fan, you absolutely have to get that. Um, also, the All alternates, right. they just released another issue, uh, and they concluded this four-issue run. I'm thinking this universe is not done, though, because this was a spinoff of Minor Threats. This is from Patton Oswald. Everybody knows him, I'm sure. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's been a lot of fun. It's a very unique take on superheroes. So if you're looking for a superhero story that hasn't been done, I feel like this is the one, and it is funny as well. So those are the two I recommend this week. And I also um, reviewed Boxed, which is a graphic novel. Got a lot of AI and a lot of pandemic issues. So while these seem like futuristic issues, they're not so futuristic, (laughs) nor are they so sci-fi either. So this one was a very good kind of head scratcher kind of, oh, this is sci-fi. Oh, is it? So that was kind of, that was a really good one. That was a thinker. So those are my three that I reviewed this week. Um, Boxed is up. My review's already out and that comic's already out. The other two will be out uh, tomorrow. Box is out on Comixology Originals, so definitely head on over to the digital store at Amazon to go check that one out. And Quick Stops and the alternates are out via Dark Horse Comics on tomorrow. So, Matt, what are you picking up at the shops this week? Depends what picture you're putting up first. Because <laughs> I got two. Hmm. I just don't know which comic book you're going with. However, they are both written by the same writer, a good friend of our show, both at Hops Geek News and here at Turn a Page, David Papos. Now, I have a feeling he's going to put up The Devil Who Wears My Face. If that's the case, then uh, yeah, Devil Wears My Face uh, by David Papos, Alex Cormick, that's Mad Cave Studios. It's the third issue in that, in which, man, it's. Legion and Viri are on a cat and mouse game going through the Vatican and uh, it's got just fun. It's it's if you love old school horror slash kind of like some supernatural like Lauren, you're going to like this issue a lot, I think. And then the other one I have uh, writer David Papos, artist uh, Dave Watcher is Punisher issue number two from Marvel Comics. And uh, Joe Garrison is on the hunt trying to figure out you know why did they come and hunt him down and uh this is a this is a great addition because again what david's doing is he's having a lot of fun with this comic and uh, you're getting some more of those like issue one you got you know uh jack or hide and so you're gonna see a little bit more of those b list characters i have a feeling popping up routinely in this story and so those are my two big recommendations and uh obviously quick stops jumped on with what lauren did because we both actually joint reviewed that one um, we're both big Kevin Smith fans, so I gotta give some love and uh, give some love to our friend of the show, Brian O'Halloran, of course, uh, from from Clerks. That's always one. It's our claim to fame. So. It's our claim yeah. to fame. We try to mention every chance we get, no matter no matter where we he are. He opened a beer like, with oh, her shoe, like so <laughs> did I have a bottle opener on the bottom of my flip flop? That's amazing. It, you know, it's, it's even amazing. too. Clerks is going to be thirty next year. It is. Like, my how, God. how crazy is that? And like I, I say, mean, if, you, if you want to, I'll go. Or I'm sorry. No, I just say I first watched it in 99 and I'm like, oh, it's not that. Well, no, even that's a long time ago. It was like last year still to me. No, it was not. Yeah. yeah. It still holds up to this day too. So like I say, definitely have to be looking out for more of that. I know our friends over at 3FM Podcast are definitely uh, talking about that on the show on uh, some past episodes and you definitely want to make sure next year, I, I can guarantee you 
Nerd Initiative will be talking about the Kevin Smith verse as we celebrate the 30 years of Clerks. So uh, stay tuned for that. Dot, dot, dot. Uh, As for me at the shops this week, this is a monster week in general. Uh, The first one up is one uh, friend of the show who is now taking the helm over for one Gwen Stacy at Marvel Comics. Super excited to see Spider-Gwen smash by the one and only Melissa Flores. You know her from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the Dead Lucky. So it's going to be her and Enid uh, Bellum. This is a really interesting story. And like I say, the fact that we're going to see more of Ghost Spider and especially with Melissa writing it, I like this is a take my money moment. So Melissa does fantastic <laughs> work. If you haven't checked out The Dead Lucky, uh, make sure to check out The Dead Lucky. It's one of the best series uh, in the massive verse. Uh, let alone in comics. So you definitely want to make sure you're picking that up. But yeah, this one is definitely one to keep an eye out for, especially if you're a fan of the Spider-Verse animated films. This is going to be one right up your alley too. Um, and also speaking of Massiverse, they have a massive week uh, this week because there is three issues out, Radiant Black 27 and 27.5. And no, I did not misspeak there. If you haven't been reading since the events of Radiant Black 24... The Catalyst War is in full effect, and there is a reason that you're seeing issues uh, with a regular number and a .5. So if you haven't checked those out, highly recommend checking out what Kyle Higgins and the team are doing over with that book as well. And Rogue Sun 17, Ryan Parrott, uh, Marco Rana, uh, Abel, like everybody is doing some fantastic work there. Those are going to be some great picks out for this week as well. And obviously City of Madness number two, Christian Ward, DC Comics. We're, you know, obviously we got to make sure we're plugging that as well. It's not that way. This is, a, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, but we have to make sure we drive the point home obviously. because there is so much great things at the comic shop this week that you are going to find stuff left and right. Boom studios, damn them all. House of slaughter image is having a big week. Marvel DC mad cave studios of the devil that wears my face. Like there's just so much great things to pick up this week. So you want to make sure you're checking out nerdinitiative.com starting at 9 a.m. Every half hour on the half hour, new reviews are dropping. So you definitely want to make sure you're not missing on that. And before we get out of here, uh, Matt, Lauren, why don't you tell everybody to find out what's going on with you and Hops Geeks News, where to find you after the show? Well, you can go ahead and go to Hops Geek News, or you can scan this fancy QR code here where you will find all of our links. You'll find the links to our reviews. You'll find us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, there's a Facebook group, TikTok. man, TikTok. We're everywhere. Uh, we have our Christmas special that we will be recording tomorrow to come out next week, episode 198. We are having two amazing guests coming on. Uh, we are about to record a big episode 200 with our good friend, Off the Cuff Tom, the pop culture connoisseur, and of course, Ken from the ODPH. And uh, we're going to be ranking and uh, more, more so drafting. We're going to be creating our comic book team for the year 2023. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. That's going to be coming out right before our cheersies, believe it or not. Uh, so give you a little taste of what's to come for the cheersies there. So make sure you vote for that. A lot of a lot of you know Christian Ward, David Popos, Melissa Flores, like that. All these people that we've talked about here today, a lot of them you'll find for good reason uh, there mm-hmm. to vote for. And uh, make sure you do that by December twenty first for the show, which will be on too, January second. Yeah, go. the cheersies are really picking up some steam. Uh, I'm sorry, Lauren, did I cut you off? I didn't mean it. No, you're good. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, but like I say, the, the cheersies are taking off. Like I say, I get very animated to talk about the cheersies, so I know I interrupt everybody left and right about this. But I can't stress enough that the voter turnout has been insane this year, setting records left and right. A lot of write-in votes are coming into, which I love seeing. And especially, like I say, one of the top books of the year has actually been written in. So will it win the award? Ah, you're going to have to tune in on January 2nd to find out. But in the meantime, make sure you're hitting that QR code. Make sure you're voting. Make sure you're sharing it all over your social media accounts. To anybody that you know is a comic book fan, we want their votes in because this is by the fans, for the fans, and given to, you know out by the fans too, like I say. This is 100% fan support. So we want It's the sure. award handed over. Somebody could be taking it home look at this yes. yes this means so much to me or them it's a dingle hopper. yes 
Well, somebody's going to be winning a few awards. Like I say, we actually have the physical awards this year. So it's going to be really cool to actually get those out in the mail uh, to the winners this year. So super excited to do that. And like I say, you just click on that QR code and you'll be able to see what is going on with the cheersies. Fill that form out, share it all over the place. And if you want to find out what's going on with me and the ODPH, very simple. Click on over that QR code as well, odphpodcast.com. New episodes are dropping and a whole lot of other fun things happening, including links to Wrestling Night Live every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you like talking comics, you like talking pro wrestling, this is why you click on that like, subscribe, and share page for Nerd Initiative YouTube. Because like we say, we have a lot of stuff going on in the new year. And if you want to find out what's happening with the home of pop culture positivity, it's that simple. You follow the checklist to the letter, and boom, you won't miss a moment of the content. So that said, for our guests, uh, thank you again for checking us out. And remember, when you're at the comic shops, and you have a great issue like Batman, City of Madness, book one, in your hands, and you see somebody struggling to find something to pick up this week, hand yours off to them. Tell them to turn a page. We'll see you next time.